A warehouse fire in New Taipei has led to complaints about foul smells and poor air quality in the area. On Tuesday afternoon, an electronics warehouse caught fire and continued to burn through the night. The warehouse contained more than 7,000 lithium batteries, which released toxic chemicals into the air. Thick smoke pours out of the building, enveloping the entrances to the warehouse. Firefighters spray water in an attempt to cool the inferno. They keep spraying water, but the fire continues to rage. The building was aflame all through the night. It's all smoke inside. There's plastic and paper, so there's a lot of flammable materials. There's nothing to be done about the smell. Burning plastic always smells bad. The fire started at 2.30 p.m. Tuesday in the basement of a warehouse in New Taipei, Shenkin District. The warehouse contained a variety of electronics with more than 7,000 lithium batteries, which caused the fire to reignite over and over. Even when the blaze was brought under control, clouds of dense smoke continued to rise from the site, spreading the smell of burning plastic to nearby areas. Air quality monitors in Xindian district detected particulate concentration skyrocketing to 50 and 60 micrograms per cubic meter. After an analysis of atmospheric models, we concluded that the origin of these pollutants was the fire in Shenkan district. The fumes spread to nearby Taipei City, with Wenshan District getting the brunt. Downwind areas of Wenhua, Xingyi, Da'an, and even Songshan reported smells. But Taipei's Department of Environmental Protection says air pollution levels remained within a safe range. Air quality metrics do not account for odors. It takes a very low level of particles to produce a smell. That is, even when there is a hint of an odor, our noses immediately pick up on it. But even if you do smell something, it doesn't necessarily mean that the air quality is bad. When lithium batteries catch on fire, they produce a gas called hydrogen fluoride, which is harmful to the lungs. Inhaled in large quantities, it can damage the lungs and cause respiratory failure. A doctor says that in situations like the Shenkan fire, it is best to keep doors and windows shut to keep pollutants out and to wear a face mask so as to not inhale chemicals in the smoke. The Central Weather Administration says starting Thursday, northeasterly winds should help disperse the pollutants. Taiwan's academic pressure can be brutal, and even children aren't immune. On social media, a cram school teacher shared the weekly schedule of a brother and sister in elementary school. Seven days a week, the siblings wake at 5.50 a.m. Bedtime is 11.30 p.m. In between, they're busy with school, extracurriculars, and cram school. The Facebook post went viral, even getting a response from Taiwan's education minister. He called on parents to ensure that kids don't get overwhelmed. It truly must be taken into consideration how, at each stage of learning, students are provided a balanced schedule so that children can be healthy physically and mentally throughout their education. Adequate sleep is quite important for day-to-day learning, future development, and even for character growth, mood, and mental health. There should be more consideration given to non-academic factors, factors that have to do with physiology and growth. This is important for children's mental development and personality development. 
When I saw this schedule, I was brought to my knees. I do think that if the children were truly unwilling to keep to the schedule, the parents wouldn't be able to force them. The children are exemplary. They perform very well. According to the teacher who posted the schedule, the siblings are doing well and have no developmental issues. But a doctor warns that sleeping just over six hours a day is not advisable. The National Sleep Foundation recommends 9 to 11 hours of sleep every night for children aged 6 to 13. Taiwan's shipping executives gathered on Wednesday at a New Year's event. They shared views on the current Red Sea crisis, which is forcing vessels to avoid the Suez Canal. Industry players describe the crisis as an unexpected opportunity, as it's led to a surge in shipping rates. They're cautiously optimistic about the year ahead, expecting stronger growth compared to 2023. Debris is scattered across the beach. Houthi rebels in Yemen have continued their attacks in the Red Sea, forcing shippers to take alternative routes. But for the freight industry, the crisis has a silver lining. The Red Sea crisis has indeed provided a boost to the shipping industry. That is undeniable. But this increase in freight rates cannot compare with the increase we saw during the pandemic. At an event on Wednesday, shipping executives celebrated the start of the Year of the Dragon. The Red Sea crisis has sent freight rates skyrocketing, mitigating the post-pandemic decline seen due to an economic slowdown and excess shipping capacity. But it remains to be seen how long the rise will last. Another question is when the current supply-demand imbalance will be resolved. Yang Ming, CEO, says the market will be better this year compared to last. All we can do is fight and keep going. For now, we're taking the detour around the Cape of Good Hope, and this measure will continue for some time. The main variable is the U.S. economy. Everyone feels that it's performing a little better than expected. The main focus is on the demand side. What's interesting is that we thought we'd end up reducing capacity, but we ended up shipping more. It's the opposite of what we expected. In my opinion, the Red Sea crisis hasn't had much of an impact. It's just that it's a hot topic. Despite the overall market imbalance, bulk carrier Umin Marine says it's seen a rise in demand and expects double-digit growth in 2024. The 2024 Taipei Lantern Festival has kicked off. 123 light installations are illuminated during the event, which will run till March 3rd. Taipei Lantern Festival's main lantern is a 10-meter-high metal installation designed by Taiwanese lighting artist Sammy Liu. It's a dragon surrounded by colorful clouds. Located by the Ximen Red House in the North Gate, the Lantern will perform a three-minute light show with music every half an hour. We sit here and uh, stay at there for a long time because the show is so fantastic. And uh, many people make uh, our feeling like um, this is a town of um, um, maybe, it's, I think maybe paradise today for me. Because, yeah, because um, there are many people here and um, warm welcome to me. The festival will be held at three main venues near the Taipei Metro's Ximen Station, the Bayman Station, and Zonghua Road Section 1. The event will last 31 days, with lights illuminated from 5 p.m. to 10 p.m. each day. One highlight is an area displaying lanterns from 16 cities, including Osaka, Shanghai, and Daegu. 
This year, we specially chose the West District for this year's Lantern Festival, which is from the Ximending Business District all the way to Zhonghua Road and to the North Gate. This year's Lantern Festival includes three major exhibition areas, including the Ximen Exhibition Area, where the main lantern and traditional and modern designs are located. On both sides of Zhonghua Road, there are works by local artists and a friendship exhibition area. Lanterns from many international cities will be exhibited in this area. The festival, which runs till March 3rd, will also feature exhibitions, performances, and themed events. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Zhen Chen Luo in Taipei. A strong gust of wind made trouble for Kaohsiung's rubber duck display on Wednesday. The famous tourist attraction became deflated after strong winds knocked out a cable in one duck's inflation system. Emergency crew rushed to make repairs, restoring the duck to its original state in two hours. At one point, the winds reached level 6 on the Beaufort scale, which is the range of a tropical storm. Our yellow friend was taken by surprise by the storm. Its anchor came loose, which disrupted its electrical setup. Kaohsiung is situated ahead of an incoming frontal system. It's under the influence of the North Pacific High, which is bringing winds from the south. The strong winds we saw today came in at especially high speeds in the open coastal areas because there's no ground friction to drag on the wind. The yellow duck lost its air, becoming saggy and deformed. But the unusual sight didn't disappoint tourists. Many said the look had its own charm and was a special addition to Kaohsiung's scenic waterfront. Tensions are rising around Jingmen's waters, with China ramping up patrols after two of its nationals died fleeing Taiwan's Coast Guard last week. Top Washington officials responded on Tuesday, urging against any unilateral change to the cross-strait status quo. State Department spokesperson Matthew Miller called for restraint and asked China to engage in dialogue with Taiwan to reduce the risk of miscalculation. Tensions are rising in the waters near Xiamen and Jinmen. In a Tuesday press call, U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan declined to comment on recent incidents, but reiterated the U.S. position against unilateral change to the status quo. The U.S. Department of State also responded. Yeah, we are closely monitoring Beijing's actions. We continue to urge restraint and no unilateral change to the status quo, which has preserved peace and stability in the Taiwan Strait and throughout the region for decades. The State Department urged China to communicate with Taiwan to reduce the risk of miscalculation. We urge the PRC to engage in meaningful dialogue with Taiwan to reduce the risk of miscalculation. And we share with other countries, not just in the region, but around the world, an abiding interest in peace and stability across the Taiwan Strait and in the broader Indo-Pacific region, which impact global security and prosperity. These messages and reminders can be interpreted as the U.S. speaking out against China, because it is China that has unilaterally changed the status quo and escalated tensions. Taiwan's actions have absolutely been defensible. We acted in accordance with the act governing relations between the people of the Taiwan area and the mainland area. We acted in accordance with our long-standing regulations on prohibited and restricted maritime zones, which we established in 1992 and are a historical fact and part of the status quo. 
Last week, an unregistered Chinese fishing boat illegally entered Jinmen's waters, leading to a chase by Taiwan's Coast Guard. The boat tried to flee, but ultimately capsized, resulting in the death of two crew members. Five days later, China's Coast Guard boarded a Taiwanese tourist boat, inspecting it for 32 minutes. This is not a matter related to foreign affairs. I'd refer you to the competent authorities. During a regular press conference, China's foreign ministry refused to address the latest cross-strait dispute on grounds that it was a domestic issue. Experts said that once again, China was attempting to internalize the strait by denying the existence of Taiwan's territorial waters in the same way it denied the cross-strait median line. Experts warned that China aims to legitimize its gray zone actions and that Taiwan must respond with caution. The Asian Dance Tour Taipei Open will be back on next week with hundreds of ballroom dancers from around the world taking part. This 13th edition of the contest will see 380 world-class competitors from 33 countries as well as 600 dancers from Taiwan. They'll be tearing up the dance floor for a total purse of 3 million Taiwan dollars. These three girls are just eight years old, but already they have the moves down. They got started in the world of ballroom dancing at age six. National professional Latin dance champions Chen Yang Yi and Amy Cao showcase grace and passion, wowing the audience. Dancers of all ages will convene on February 28th for the Asian Dance Tour Taipei Open, held at the Taipei Heping Basketball Gymnasium. In previous years, the event was held at Taipei Arena, but as the Asian Dance Tour enters its 13th year, it is moving to a fresh location. The only ballroom dance tour in the world is coming to Taipei for the 13th time. It's the biggest and highest caliber ballroom open in Taiwan. About 380 elite dancers from 33 countries and territories, including the UK, the US, Japan and South Korea, will come to Taiwan and compete for a total purse of 3 million NT. These kinds of sporting events can put the international spotlight on Taipei. I'd like to encourage everyone to buy a ticket and support the event. Alongside top dancers from all around the world, 600 contestants from Taiwan are set to compete to show the world just how well Taiwan can move. Now we take you to a Taipei cafe that brings together the past and the future to provide a one-of-a-kind experience. The cafe's owner, Lu Jingxiong, fixed up old U.S. military housing and serves coffee in it using a robot. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang takes us in for a look. The first thing you'll see as you step into the cafe is a robot busy at work. This high-tech waiter can concoct any coffee drink you want. The cafe owner Lu Jinsheng began using the robot to keep up with customer demand. When we first started hand-brewing coffee here, the demand was very great. Sometimes three to four people would brew coffee all afternoon and still wouldn't be able to keep up with demand. When there are a lot of orders, people get nervous, there will be mistakes, so I thought of using a robot. It's got many features. You can choose to drink something stronger, or you can choose the golden ratio, or choose something lighter. You can also choose the kind of bean. Whether you want to drink something with floral taste, fruity, or very sweet, the robot will make it for you. Thank you. And now we're going to try the coffee made by the robot. 
Liu spent many years writing and adjusting the computer code that powers the robot. We have around 100 programs embedded in it. It can do whatever the customer wants. I will make a drink myself and let the robot give it a try. I have to count how many seconds each step lasts, how high things need to be. You must have clear data before you can write the programs. When you first start out, the drink tastes like it's made by Iron Man, not by a person. So then you fix this and that and break through the challenges. You get a drink that tastes like it was made by a human. Besides coffee, Lou also serves up food, including pasta, steaks, bread, soups, desserts, and chicken. Our chicken is delivered from Hualien every day. It is raised in the wild, so it tastes chewier and sweeter. We use our own roasting equipment, which is equipped with infrared rays that preserve the meat's juices. The cafe is located in the Yamingshan American Military Housing Area, a historical site spanning 13.88 hectares. There are approximately 150 old American buildings that were previously used by U.S. military officers, advisors, and their dependents in Taiwan. In 2014, Liu decided to renovate one of the old residences and transform it into a cafe. It took years before the project was approved by the Cultural Affairs Bureau. After getting the green light, Liu worked tirelessly to build the coffee shop of his dreams. The Americans used to come here on helicopters from aircraft carriers and bring their families with them for vacation. When we arrived, it was a ruin, and it took a lot of time and money to fix it up. I worked by myself, slowly bringing out its original style. I tried to find old furniture. The furniture matches the atmosphere here. The renovation took more than a year from the start of construction to the opening of the store. The most important thing was to get approved by the Cultural Affairs Bureau, which took about three years. Liu has a wealth of experience in the food and dining industry. He opened his first restaurant at the age of 18. Later, he opened up the steak restaurant chain Mr. Onion. Though he has been in the industry for 40 years already, he is still passionate about his craft and always thinking of innovative ideas. Many of the meals are my own ideas and creations. All the equipment also comes from my own ideas. I came up with the oven for roasting chicken. In the future, robots may be the main focus. I found that robots are a great convenience to those of us in the restaurant business. Their stability and yield rate are almost 100%. Even though I am a veteran chef, I can't guarantee that every cup of coffee can be presented in a precise way to the guests. I am still developing robots for other catering purposes. For example, developing machines for making sandwiches, burgers and bubble tea. Lou hopes to preserve the history of his cafe space while bringing in more cutting-edge technology to enhance the customer experience. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Zinchen Luo in Taipei. Now, how much do you know about black holes? If you've always wondered about these mysterious celestial objects really are, then this is for you. Most of us know that black holes have something to do with gravity, but maybe not much more. FTV sat down with astrophysicist Dr. Pu Hongyi about what's really up with black holes. Black holes create supermassive gravitational fields. They can have a mass equal to several suns, several thousand suns, or even several billion suns. Their huge gravitational power can influence anything passing by. 
Once an object nears a critical distance away from the black hole, it couldn't escape even by fleeing at the speed of light. Because no light escapes its field, the black hole is effectively invisible. That's where it gets its name. We think black holes are very mysterious because they don't have a surface. They're not like things in daily life that can be touched. They have an extremely strange surface, which we define using light. So you can imagine this virtual interface, which looks like nothing. But when the light enters that virtual interface, the light can never get back into the outside universe. The gravity of a black hole can change the fabric of space-time and its surroundings, creating huge distortions in space and time. In other words, near to a black hole, as space and time are very different. This concept might remind you of a quote from Journey to the West, One day in heaven is one year on Earth. In the structure of the general theory of relativity, bending space-time is one of the basic qualities of gravity. A black hole bends space-time to an extreme degree, so to an observer far away, it looks as if time passes extremely slowly near the black hole. Scientists first proposed the concept of black holes in 1783, based on Newton's laws of motion. But it was not until Einstein published his theory of relativity in 1915 that the existence of black holes became seen as highly probable. Today, although humans have walked on the moon, we have never once caught even a glimpse of a black hole. <laughs>